You know what my greatest accomplishment was, Joe? In my life, what I am able to look back on and be most proud of? And I have helped make presidents and unmake them and mayors and more goddamn judges than anyone in New York City ever and several million dollars tax-free. And you know what means the most to me? You ever hear of Ethel Rosenberg? Huh, Joe, huh? Well, yeah, I guess, yes. Yeah, you heard of Ethel Rosenberg. Maybe even read about her in the history books. Well, if it wasn't for me, Joe, Ethel Rosenberg would be alive today, writing some personal advice column for Ms. Magazine. She isn't. Because during the trial, Joe, I was on the phone every day talking with the judge. Right. Every right. day doing what I do best, talking on the telephone, making sure that that timid Yid Nebish on the bench did his duty to America, to history. That sweet, unprepossessing woman, two kids, boo-hoo-hoo, reminded us all of our little Jewish mamas. She came this close to getting life. I pleaded till I wept to put her in the chair. Me, I did that. I'd have fucking pulled the switch myself if they let me. Why? Because I fucking hate traitors. Because I fucking hate communists. Was it legal? Fuck legal. Am I a nice man? Fuck nice. They say terrible things about me in the nation. Fuck the nation. You want to be nice or you want to be effective? You want to make the law or subject to it? Choose. Hey, everybody. This is Jane here with part two of our Angels in America, I guess, our mini-series on the mini-series. I'm here with Callie. Hello. How are you today? I am doing okay. Anything exciting happening in your world? I'm working a lot. I um, saw someone get their toes cut off. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to talk about it anymore. I mean, loosely connects. There's a lot of hospital... Not anymore. Hos <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. But, you know, there's a lot of hospital scenes in, in these episodes. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I am... Um, yeah... God, podiatry jokes never go over well. Thank you for laughing at that. <laughs> I, I went and got food at Taco John's earlier, and um, I had a coupon, and I was like, hopefully this makes it a little cheaper. And the guy was like, actually, it makes it more expensive. And I was, I thought it was really funny. And he was like, that never lands. Oh. And I was like, no, no, it's good. And then we were talking about just like humor at work and stuff, and I was like, it never works for me where I work, because I work at a doctor's office, and like... I remember when I was, like, 19, when I first worked there, and I first helped with an amputation. The next time I saw that patient, I was like, how's the foot? <laughs> <laughs> and he did not fucking laugh. Uh... I felt so bad. But, man, I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> like, I don't know. One other time, this guy was like, I'm considering, you know, amputation or whatever. Like, I think it might be time. But I don't know if my wife will let me. I was like, I'll do it right here. You know, we don't have to tell her. <laughs> he like kind of laughed. Yeah, it just never really. Yeah, I think just people. Uh, people don't like to be at the doctor's office. So no, I think... and it's like <laughs> now, if, like with more perspective, like you know, it's been like six years since I like made would have made that like quite that type of joke or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, if I was about to get my foot amputated or just have gotten my foot amputated, I would not be down for jokes. Like, 
Yeah, maybe I would, but I'm also kind of like a very uh, gallows humor person. <laughs> and just... I don't know, to be fair, I guess, yeah, it just depends on the person because I have a, a friend who like uh, lost both of his legs and like he made so many jokes about it. Like he'd be like, hey, my leg itches and like try and get people to itch his leg like at the grocery store and stuff. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, hospital stuff, Angels in America, it all connects. Yeah. We are talking about episodes three and four today, and very interesting episodes. Where do you want to start with? There's so much that happens. <laughs> I mean, we could go over Pacino first, and then... Yeah, you know, I should suppose we should talk about the person that this podcast is about. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, when we left off with him, he was the, the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg <laughs> called... Or wait, did that happen? Did, yeah, that happened. That in happens days. in episode three. This is what this is. Yeah. Should when, we here? I'll like read a little synopsis of the episode. Maybe that'll, that'll help, help because my problem is really because this is this really is should is like one entire piece together. So it's kind of hard to like. So like I'm that's kind of how I'm treating it as I'm watching it, but it is split up into episodes. So it just like. I don't know. Like, most people, when they see Angels in America on the play, they have to sit through all eight hours <laughs> to I, watch it. Uh, one of our mutuals, uh, Raisin Brand Crunch, she posted this really funny, like, quote. It was uh, from somebody that had been in of Angels in America showing, and... <laughs> talking about the audience and how long they have to sit and how some of them don't really fully understand what they're like signing on for and it said i came out late into the evening as the angel wearing the wings and the whole get up stood in front of the curtain and said act five heaven i'm in heaven and this woman in the front row said act five oh my god do you know what time it is <laughs> and i said no because i obviously had no idea it's not like i was wearing a watch and she said it's midnight for god's sake what's going on with this playwright act five how long is it and i said we've never done it so i don't know 45 minutes and she was like the buses aren't even running anymore how are we supposed to get home and she turned around to the rest of the audience and said are we gonna stay <laughs> And people sort of nodded and mumbled, and she says, well, I guess we'll stay. <laughs> and then she said, but that's the end, right? There isn't an act six or something? And I said, well, there's an epilogue. And she said, oh, my God, is he nuts? An epilogue? How long is that? And I said, well, again, we've never actually run it, so 10, 15 minutes? And she said, well, apparently we have to stay, but this is ridiculous. Tell him he has to cut. And I said, well, the longer we keep talking here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really good. But yeah, I mean, the play is seven hours. The show is at least that. Yeah, together. I mean, what is this? There's six episodes, right? So it, yeah. it, each episode is about an hour long. So the, the, the series might be about an hour shorter than the actual play, which is ridic <laughs> ridiculous. When you say it's like the six-hour fucking series is still shorter than the play. <laughs> Good old uh, Joe and Roy Cohn and all the gang. They're all there. They're all there. I think Meryl Streep talks to a uh, homeless person. That happens. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I, I'm... She, yeah, Meryl Streep has come to like look for Joe. So Hannah, I think, is her character's name. And he's, he, I don't think he's gone to Lou yet or, or anything, 
So he's just, like, letting his wife run around. I think that's those scenes whenever she's, like, in the park and stuff. Yeah, well, he, um, he doesn't pick her up at the airport like he's supposed to, and she's, like, decided after three hours that she was just gonna try and find it herself. And she got lost and got dropped off in the Bronx, and then she's, like, berating this, like, clearly mentally ill homeless person for directions to to Brooklyn. (laughs) That scene is so good. Emma Emma Thompson Mm -hmm. plays the angel and the nurse and the homeless woman. God, the way she yells at her and, like... Well, it, it also just, like, pulls together in such a funny way because she's, like, asking this obviously, like, insane woman for directions and... Uh, she has no idea, like, has can't help her, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, she's like, well, do you know where the Mormon Visitor Center is? And she's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where that is. And gives her the address, like, tells her, like, which train to take and stuff, and it's because they have services, or, like, resources for homeless people, so it ends up working out perfectly, but, um, yeah, but you're right, this is the introduction of the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg, um, which, the scene where she dials 911 for him. It's yeah. so good. Like, oh, buttons. Yeah. <laughs> she looks at the phone. <laughs> She's like, these things you have now. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, that, like, what proceeded right before that is Joe basically goes to his apartment and is like, I can't take this job. And he, like, freaks out and attacks him. Joe defends himself and he basically collapses on the floor and then the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg appears. <laughs> and we talked about the Rosenbergs in the last episode, but they, I want to say Julius. I don't think that's his name. Yeah, because like... Not yeah, Julius. <laughs> yeah, because earlier in, the, like right before this happened, like Roy is basically ranting at Joe about how he like fought to make sure that she also got the death penalty even though like it was she didn't have to and how much proud proud he was of that yeah i mean and this is something like roy Cohn really said but in the it's in the show but he says he would have pulled the switch himself and that's just fucking crazy like and i think like there's a part where pacino is ranting and he's like mother of two like who gives a shit (laughs) he doesn't care that he killed this woman who he really didn't have enough evidence against who was a wife so so he gets checked into the hospital after his collapse and he ends up being treated by belize who is Pryor's ex-boyfriend slash like best friend and um former drag queen and the actor also plays um mr wise yeah the hallucination for uh hope Oh, so this is probably completely bullshit, but I just had this, like, thought about, like, the characters in, and who they, like, represent. You know, like, that, like, Meryl Streep is playing the rabbi and the mother and, um, Ethel Rosenberg, and it seems like she's always playing these, like, very, like, moral centers. Mm-hmm. Like, for Lou, for Roy Cohn, and... For Joe, I guess, she kind of represents at least tradition, maybe? Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. I guess that doesn't really hold up for the Ethel Rosenberg idea. Well, I mean, she's still kind of, like, she... Her being a ghost for him, kind of, I think, is supposed to represent, like, that subconsciously he does feel guilt about it, and that, like, she's there haunting him because of what he did. So, like, in some ways, I still think that probably fits your theory of, like... 
these are the moral center characters. For... Or at least what's making people question going forward, like who they're yeah. going to be or, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, because like I mean, you, I mean, you brought up because like the ra- like Lewis goes to the rabbi, like basically seeking the rabbi to just absolve him of all his guilt and he's like i can't do that <laughs> like, like, go talk to a priest, go talk to a priest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for and you know and it's a little bit different with joe's mom because i think yeah she represents like the life that he's trying to leave behind that like where like too much too much morality i think yeah. is like where how it's like basically killing him within where like lewis has like no <laughs> like not that he doesn't have morality but he doesn't like you know he's running away um, from his like he deals with it in his a moral center way. whereas like joe's moral center is like you know holding him back from who he is and then um with roy with roy it's, it's like past, it's like his past coming back yeah like yeah so i mean i think you're 100 percent on the money there with that well i think i I don't know, I kind of was thinking about, like, just, like, also, like, Mr. Lies and Belize. I was like, what do these people have in common? And, like, for Pryor and for Hannah, who obviously have this connection somehow, not Hannah, Harper, Mm -hmm. I was like, Belize and Mr. Lies, they're, like, completely, like, comfort characters. Like, Mm -hmm. they're just there to, like, be with these characters. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a connection there, too. And then with Emma Thompson... She's also, like, a helper, like, in everything that she is. She's, like, the angel, the nurse, and the homeless woman. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, maybe, like, Tony Kushner was going somewhere like that with that. But, I don't know, maybe maybe there is something like that for the miniseries, but the way that the roles were actually divided up for the play were completely different. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I just made all that up. I mean, like... I feel like what you're the I feel like the casting that you mentioned though for the series like which is what we're talking we're not you know none of us neither of us have seen the play so we can't really comment on that but for the series I do think that like that holds truth to <laughs> to what you're saying. Cool. Well, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about that, but yeah, I, I love I fucking love Jeffrey Wright in this, like playing Mr. Lies and. Uh, oh, he's great. He's great in this movie. Um, I'm so surprised to find out that he's not gay. Yeah, I would have never... Is anybody in this series okay. gay? Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't I, think so, I said but... That at the end of Geely, I was like, okay, we're gonna, like, watch this, this gay miniseries with actually gay people. And then I, like, doing research, the actor who, who plays Pryor is very secretive about his personal life. He doesn't like to be public about anything, so we might never know what his sexual Yeah, is. which, you know, once again, that's totally up to whoever okay. they want yeah. to. So, you know, like... I would... <laughs> not want anybody to know anything about me if I was in the public eye, (laughs) even though I'm very open with this podcast for some fucking reason. (laughs) Well, you know, we have, well, I would say the people, the amount of people that listen to this podcast is a sliver of a fraction of the amount of people who have sat through Angels in America, (laughs) so it's a little bit different in the, in the amount of people that listen. I trust you guys. All five of you. Yeah. <laughs> in like Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I mean Spotify. We we have forty six subscribers on Spotify. Oh, wow. So I mean, there's forty six potential <laughs> potential people who get it at least notified when we drop an episode. So. <laughs> Whether or not they listen. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't think the actor who plays Lewis is gay. Um, 
Pacino. We have spec mm -hmm. as much as we've speculated on this. There is, no, I have never seen a single thing that even hints at him, like in his like personal life being on his deathbed. <laughs> you better fucking just say it. That like him and De Niro kissed. I mean, he's a lifelong bachelor. I mean, he's never marrying. You know, I mean, he has kids, but he's never marrying. No. <laughs> yeah, now we're doing the exact same thing to him that we were like to the actor that played prior. It's like, yeah, of course you don't want. It. And then we like like proceed to speculate about Pacino's <laughs> personal. Dig around in his, in his life. I mean, we've, I guess we've kind of done that before. We're talking about like all of his girlfriends and how he was like cheating on the, the actors yeah. from Sea of Love and all of that. So, sorry, Pacino for. For, not, for engaging in tabloid gossip that uh, and not solely 100% focusing on your work 100% of the time. <laughs> he is kind of an, an enigma, though. Like, he doesn't really do, like, that much interviews or, nah. you know. Like, I have a book about him, but... Like, it seems like he's let this one journalist interview him a lot. I've only... I could only think... I mean, I know he's done, like, you could find footage on youtube of him like talking of like sit down interviews and stuff the only time i've ever remember seeing him on a talk show was he was on david letterman and they mostly talked about how he had a secret project with adam sandler in the works which was jack and jill obviously but that's that's literally the only time i've ever seen him on a talk show was that like was like right like while he was filming jack and jill <laughs> And like David Letterman's like, well, how was working with Adam Sandler? That was that's kind of an odd pairing. And he's like, oh, he's great. This is gonna be a great film. <laughs> wow. Oh God. Oh, Pacino. <laughs> yeah, and then Emma Thompson, straight. I mean, like, there's a few actors that have like been in things, several things that are very like thematically queer. But Al Pacino. Like, like Al Pacino. <laughs> I think Kevin Thompson's been in a few queer things as well. And um, same with the actor who plays Pryor. But, like, none of those people are, like, outwardly... Open, like, open, open in any case. I mean, yeah. they could be, but we, they're exactly. not open about it. So. Yeah, so, um, kind of a question mark all over the cast of Angels in America. Yeah. But I, I guess for like, for, like, 2003, though, the fact that this, like, came out in 03, which is, like, the height of, like, Bush... Like fighting to make sure that like gay marriage stayed illegal and stuff. Some something this gay, like over like super gay. Like, the gayest that you could possibly put on TV was like airing on HBO at that time, and like you know, still I think means a lot. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that all of these like A-list actors are in it, like Meryl Streep. And... Yeah, like I mean, like we said we um. This was around, the, like, it wasn't like it is now where, like, you'll have someone, like, like, even, like, yeah, you'll have someone, like, like, I compare this to, like, Hunters now. It's like, oh, Pacino's doing an Amazon series that's, that's, like, commonplace for actors to do, like, TV streaming series, like, big name actors like that. But in, like, 03, you didn't really have people of, like, Meryl Streep's, like, level doing, like, things that were, like, relegated to TV like this. It is really cool that they they took this chance in doing something like that. Like, uh, her and Pacino, I think, like, doing TV, doing a miniseries, something on HBO, which, like... I mean, like, it was right at the beginning of, like, I think HBO's, like, real prestige push for their TV stuff, because, like, I think we talked about last week, it was only, like, in 99, like, the late 90s, 99, when, like, you had The Sopranos and Oz 
kind of like showing and sex in the city honestly like as these like high like these highbrow tv like cinematic tv not that like sex in the city is really cinematic but it was like throwing it's like you know like tv series that like try and go like the extra mile um and put more effort in than you know like your standard like network television stuff yeah just found out that HBO stands for Home Box Office. Yep, because that was, like, when it debuted in the late 70s, that was, like, a novel thing to be able to, like, have a TV channel where you could watch, like, movies, movies that were, like, all the time. Because you would, like, I mean, you, especially in the, like, like I mean, the 80s is when cable really started becoming a thing, but, like, especially, like, in the late 70s, early 80s, like, you had, like, network TVs, and they would run movies, like, every once in a while, but it wasn't, like... It'd be, like, a Christmas special. Yeah, or it would be, like, it would be, like, films that, like, you know, that were, like, 20, 30 years old, like, where HBO was showing things that had, were, like, had just been in the theaters not that long ago, and were, like, thing, and were also, you were able to, like, show the full movies with, like, nudity and, like, language and everything where you couldn't do that on network TVs. <laughs> I remember when, like, in the early 2000s when, like, HBO had this connotation of, like, sex. Oh, yeah, because they had the that series, Real Sex, which was, like, I mean, they had a lot of, like, softcore shit. Not as much, like, Cinemax was the worst for that. Like, Cinemax mm-hmm. um, was where you went to, um, I'm pretty sure that's the very first time I ever saw boobs was when I was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was flipping through the channels late at night in like sixth grade, and like some fucking softcore porn shit yeah, was on Cinemax. Me too. It was like <laughs> some boobs in the moonlight, you know? And yeah, I was feeling like, oh no, I shouldn't be watching this, and like turning it. I was like, cool. I'm gonna keep <laughs> watching this and hope my dad doesn't come downstairs <laughs> while I'm watching. So I turned the channel real fast. <laughs> And, because, like, I think at the time we still had dial-up, too, so it wasn't like I could really look up porn or anything. So that's Cinemax. That's what you had. Oh, and I remember it just being, like, so swanky if someone had HBO. I'd be like, oh, okay, you think you're better than me? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like, HBO, like I said, like, HBO, early 2000s, just, yeah, really starting to get into the swing of it. If anything, though, HBO has cleaned up a lot now. Like, when they went to HBO Max, I think they, like, scrubbed all of their old sex series and stuff like you can't watch it anymore like there was like when it was hbo go i think they still had real sex up for as an option to watch but like they don't even air that shit on their channel anymore so for r.i.p to those who long for the days of dirty hbo i guess (laughs) i mean i guess you just have to settle for boobs in game of thrones like he's 
able to play roles like Raycon, but like, you know, I feel like it's a, a lot more the way he goes about it and like the way he plays this role. Like, I, tr I feel like I trust it more than if like fucking like Tommy Lee Jones did it or oh, something. Oh, yeah, you know? no, 100%. Not that I don't, like, I mean, this is a type of role that Tommy Lee Jones would probably, like, you could see him in it, but I don't think he would have done it as good of a job. That's the old man, yeah. Pacino. <laughs> but, you know, this, like I said, this is like, this is still kind of in his wheelhouse of a type of character that he would like to play, that he likes to play, you know, the kind that's like dealing with a lawyer. <laughs> corruption or like someone like, you know, Roy Cohn. We've talked about that before. But I think it's interesting though, because you could kind of like, I don't really even compare this to like, the, t the I would say Roy Cohn is. I mean, they're different. They're much different in personality, but, like, the type of character is kind of the same as the type of character he's playing in People I Know. Mm -hmm. This, like, really, this guy who is at, like, the top of his field at one point, but is, like, on the, like, is, like, basically crumbling in real time and is on the downward spiral. Whereas in People I Know, it just kind of comes off as just sleepy and tired and not very interesting. Roy Cohn, he's just kind of like, he's, still like, he's like, he's like, he is like flipping off the camera, like flipping off God, like, fuck you, <laughs> I am not going to, like, he's just like full on yelling, screaming energy, like, it's like the complete opposite of like, it's, you're not getting, even at his sickest so far, you're not getting sleepy, tired Pacino with Roy Cohn. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. And I mean, like, after watching that documentary and then comparing his performance, like, Pacino kind of has this natural flamboyance to him, and that's why he's able to do these roles where he's, like, so fucking confident and, like, loud and, like, yelling at people and mm -hmm. stuff. And that plays well into the type of flamboyance that Roy Cohn had, like, as, you know, somebody who also was, like, a public speaker and very influential and all those things, but, like... It, it also playing into sexuality and stuff like I think it just works so well in like a natural way um versus like some straight actors or whatever you know I, we don't know if Pacino's straight necessarily but I was telling Jane that I watched a few different portrayals of like Pryor and Lewis from the stage play so many interesting actors that have gone through and one of them was or you know the most recent portrayal of Pryor was Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. <laughs> I, you know, initially, like, I, I think I was like, oh, cool, like, that sounds really cool. And then I watched it, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, I think some actors, like, they're, what they think flamboyancy, or, like, being, like, a little bit, like, I don't know, like, I it know comes, It comes natural for Pacino in ways that it doesn't for a lot of other actors, which is why I've never, like, even... You know, you get a lot of, like, people, for good reason, being like, oh, you should have actual have actual gay actors. Not that, like, well, once again, you know, you don't, we don't know for sure, but, like, have actually openly gay actors playing these roles, which, which I wouldn't actually say, maybe not for Roy Cohn, though, because I feel like part of his character is the fact that he is, like, so ashamed of him. I don't know. I think, like, this, I think there's, like, gray area here with that a little bit but it never feels like that he's it, ne it always feels very natural with Pacino when he's doing like a character like in that realm or something it just it never it never feels like he's like putting on a face with it yeah, whereas like, with I was it, like, yeah. it doesn't feel like he's like trying to be gay yeah it's just like, like that's because even like even in because he's very flam like 
he's very flamboyant in people I know, and it's like he's possibly playing a bisexual man in that movie, but you know, not that they ever come out and say it, because it's also not a very good movie. But but his like his flamboyance in that movie is it, it also it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, he did still like even as shitty as that movie is, it still feels like that person. Like he doesn't feel like he's playing like like it's it doesn't feel forced. Is what it feels I'm yeah organic, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I think that. You know, and I understand, like, what Andrew Garfield was trying to do, but it just didn't feel right. Like, I think, like, Pryor, the actor who played Pryor in this, um, Justin Kirk, you know, I think that he, he feels natural in the role, but, like, he's not, like, overplaying it or anything. And you know that, like, early 2000s, like, maybe 2010s joke, you know, and, like, people still make fun of it on Twitter, but, but like, is he, you know, and people would, like, do the limperist thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something my fucking brother is, like, like, they still, like, they'll be, like, instead of just being, like, oh, is that person gay? They'll, they, like, have to, like, beat around the bush or whatever and, like, use these, yeah. like, mannerisms or, like, As a, yeah. the sibilant S. Because people or, are too fucking scared to say it. Right. And <laughs> which, just, is why, which is why I like the scene where Belize is, like, you know, I'm not going to say the word, but it's like from, from one slur to a, another, and you can kind of guess, you can guess what the, <laughs> what the slur is to like, but just basically just being like coming right out and say, well, you know, like, especially to Roy Cohn, cause he's like, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of cathartic because Roy is basically calling him every fucking racial slur in the book um before that <laughs> and he's just like you know <laughs> what i loved about that scene is that belize finally breaks and calls him a slur too and, and that's when he let and, and that's what, like, fine you can have one now <laughs> yeah because i think he's he's the type of person who's just like he always wants to bring people down to his level and because he thinks that's that's how everyone is is at their core the same shitty person and he's like i'm just wearing it on my sleeve you have to beat around the bush. Yeah, just say it. And then yeah. now you can take the fucking medicine. And What's like... interesting is that, like, Belize <laughs> is the only person who's brave enough to say to Roy Cohn's face what Roy Cohn is. Like, yeah. Like, his own doctor is like, oh, you know, I don't know what you want from me, you know. Like, yeah. you can call it whatever you want. Like, I don't really fucking care. And Belize is like, listen, like, you're just, you're gay. And it's like, like, fucking stop, like, acting like you're... Yeah. different than like everybody else because you're that's... still dying here in the hospital of the same disease that like want like like 15 of my friends have died from already this, so it's like you're not you know you're not for all of your special connections or whatever you're still in the same what <laughs> so i think it was in earlier in the episode the f slur is also used but i was just like thinking about the way belize uses it and the way prior uses it and you know, like, Belize calls Roy Cohn the F-slur when he says from one to another. And, like, the way Pryor was using it was very, like, kind of a class way mm -hmm. of, like, putting it. Like, he's like, well, no one cares about us because, like, we're just, like, all, like, poor queer people, basically. And so I just think it's, like, interesting that the way it's, u it's being used and then Belize is kind of, like, driving that home that, like, yeah, you are, like, at the end of your life, like, here you yeah. are, after everything, like, you're gonna die, like, every other yeah. man, like, around who has AIDS. And I do think it's interesting that, which is what I really like about this play, too, is that they're not also not afraid to, like, address the disparity and, like, 
privilege and race too because there's that whole scene with lewis and belise where lewis is just ranting at belise about all his like pet theories about like society and queerness and he like very very racistly <laughs> is like you know america doesn't have that like this that doesn't have any history or baggage or need and he's just like are you fucking kidding? You're talking to a black person right now, and you are basically saying that America doesn't have. And he's like, oh, and he tries to back backtrack, and you know the same. And then he tries to call him an anti-Semite. Yeah, and he so it's, and 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 later on, you know, he um, you know, like he calls Pryor like Pryor out on kind of some like a similar type of sin. I can't remember what the exact context was, but he's like yeah, you know I'm black, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, there's still, even even amongst that, like, you know, there is still, like, that barrier of whiteness that still exists as well, like, you know, even amongst, like, people that should have, like, solidarity with each other, you know? Yeah, this, this play has so many layers of, like, so many different, like, groups of people that aren't considered in mainstream media, like, people with mental health issues, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, the fact, yeah, Harper being such a, like, Harper is, the like, probably the, like, most central person who's not gay, uh, not a gay character in the, in the play, but because she has, like, such severe mental health issues that's still, like, you know, she's still treated, like, it it's 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 show it's basically showing like how like you know it's like intersectionality it's like showing how all of these like different like oppressed identities do intersect with each other yeah and well and like she's married to joe who's dealing with his sexuality and like but they still love each other a lot and like mm -hmm. that's like whenever he's like telling roy that he like won't leave her and that he's not gonna like just do that or whatever like it it really like yeah. got me because I don't know, just thinking about, like, also, like, the, like, relationship of, like, beards and stuff, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's oddly sweet, even though it's also really sad. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, how two people can, like, support each other, I guess, even if it's not exactly what you were gone for. Yeah, it's all sweet and sad. Like, every single part of John Harper's relationship, the way they call it a buddy kiss. Oh, yeah. my God. Fucking, like, drag... A, dagger into my heart <laughs> like, every time he says buddy something to her and like you see how she like loves him and is attracted to him in a way that he's just not reciprocating it's just like oh yeah you know but i like think that these episodes are really interesting like going into her mind and like how innocent she is and how she has like a very like loose grasp on the world like whenever yeah. she's like maybe i'll have a baby that'll be covered in thick white fur because she thinks she's in antarctica but really she's yeah. just stuck outside in the cold yeah and she i like i didn't realize that she had actually bit the tree until <laughs> like until they like meryl streep's like the character was on the phone and was like <laughs> it was like she bit through the like it's not that yeah, she but, chomped down not chop yeah <laughs> chomped down a tree in central park <laughs> with her teeth because she was she said something about like being a little beaver or something like that. Like yeah. She was like, maybe I could like build a dam or something, and that's where <laughs> yeah. she could have her baby. Like, yeah. She's like clearly, you know, but not like, in a good headspace at all. <laughs> but like the way they approach it is like so like non-judgmentally. Yeah, I mean, like, it's I think it's the same thing that like with like Meryl Streep's conversation with the homeless woman. It's clearly that like Meryl Streep is fucking 
horrible to this woman but it's like i think you're supposed to i think you're supposed to come off as like what the fuck is like that that meryl streep is being ridiculous to this woman like she is like clearly the one that who's like in the wrong here in her interactions with this person she's so rude she's like get it together for one second yeah it's like you can't just like go up to a person basically in their home like i mean it's outside but like that's obviously her space yeah. And she's eating and just, like, start fucking yelling at her because she doesn't know where directions to Because she can't communicate, because she can't, like, you know, clearly she's having, like, she has some kind of issue with communication and, like, being in, like, her perception of reality and stuff. So it's, like, like what are you, like, what are you expecting to by browbeating this person? And, like, yeah, I know you're, I understand you're, like, dealing with a lot of, like, with being lost in a unfamiliar place right now, but... You're, it's like berating this person isn't going to like, you know, it's 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 not the way to do it. <laughs> Another thing I I noticed and it was like really quick, but whenever the cops call Hannah to tell her that Harper yeah it, like chewed a tree down or whatever mm-hmm. and set it on fire in the park, she's like no 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 we don't need she doesn't need the hospital she's yeah. just a peculiar girl yeah she clearly like, is what? like she this yeah it's clear that she. Uh, she has a lot of issues um, dealing with the, like, reality of situations, which is interesting, you know, it's interesting in the, her perception of the homeless woman when she is clearly in denial about a bunch of stuff related to, like, the people in her life. Because, you know, like, she she doesn't, she is deni- in, in denial about how bad, like, Harper's mental health issues are. And when Joe comes out to her on the phone... She just ignores it completely. She's like, go home. She she ignores that completely and goes back to like whatever they were talking about, which she doesn't even acknowledge that he said that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So I think it's kind of like clear that she yeah, she is very in denial of a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah, that character is such a fucking piece of work. I'm like... Uh, I'm sure she gets worse in the I final know. two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not ready for, like, Joe to, like, come home to whatever it is. And yeah. that's, like, what's well, sweet is that Joe, you finally be, like, one sort of, like, oh, like, this is getting a little romantic is that Joe and Lewis, who have had this odd flirtation in the first two episodes, it's, like, mostly about how ridiculous Joe is. It's, it's mostly Lewis being, like, you're a Republican. Like, basically, Lewis just insults him, like, half the time, and Joe just sits there and's like... You're kind of cute. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's cute when you say that my whole belief system is fucked up. <laughs> Which it is, you know, you know, you know, he, he loves Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, it's, and it works directly under Roy Cohn. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not like his, his, what he does is not is is exactly great. <laughs> but and he eats three hot dogs every day for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, I, I eat at fucking Sonic and McDonald's all the time, so he can have three hot dogs. It's fine. <laughs> I just love how Lewis is like, oh my god, <laughs> like he's just drinking Pepto and eating hot dogs. Yeah. It's the worst. Like I, there's absolutely zero way I would have fucked that guy after witnessing this thing. <laughs> like and and like Lewis like wipes Pepto off of his lips and it's like what? What's yeah. going on right now? Is this a meat cute? Like I don't. I think I think it's clear that like and I mean Lewis even acknowledge it when like. <laughs> Because I think, 
because Lewis is very clear about like I think he understands that like what exactly that this is is just like for him it's just kind of like a rebound, a rebound to like stop thinking about prior for a little while and Joe's like I love you and he said he's straight up he's like you're a virgin gay you know we don't even we barely know each other you just think about that for a second before you just like because I think he even knows he's like dude like I think like even like you know not having seen the last two episodes I think even Lewis is could, could probably figure out very quickly that this guy is not someone that's going to be like a serious relationship thing like person because it's like it's he, like they're on a gay vacation together. yeah that's kind of what and it eventually is. he has to go home to his wife and his mother who are who's not accepting because they're both yeah they're both really running away from the issues that they're ignoring you know because lewis is completely abandoned prior to like die basically and like and and everybody that he talks to about it he's he's still trying to get people to say that you're you know what lewis you're still you're good but no one is and no one is willing to be like no dude what you're doing is fucked up <laughs> and and then you know and and joe is just like my wife had just had joe, and it is kind of fucked up what joe's doing because his wife had been missing for a fucking week was like had a mental breakdown was clearly not well if she's chewing down trees and his mom you know and his mom he abandons his mom at the airport in a fucking city so yeah what he did is not great <laughs> yeah not not either of their best moments yeah but yeah i'm interested to see like where because i i actually haven't seen the, the very last episode but i'm interested to see like where that ends up in, like, what they learn from this, like, interaction, you know what I mean? Because, like, right now it just seems like this kind of, like, sweet fling mm -hmm. before Lewis realizes that he should be there for his boyfriend who they've been dating, like, four and a half years or something. Yeah, no, like, I mean, clearly you see at the beginning of the first episode they, like, are so in sync with each other, like, you know, it's clear that they had been together for a very long time at that point. That's why I put the um, audio from the first episode between Pryor and Lewis as the intro last week because I just think their repartee and how, like, Pryor just, like, understands Lewis and sees things that Lewis doesn't see and, like, then Lewis is kind of, like, a little bit more grounded and, like, serious than Pryor. Like, you can see why they work even though, like, Lewis is kind of annoying. I think it's funny how, like, like, I, I believe this is, like, my favorite character in, oh, yeah, in the he's, show. Oh, yeah, great. But I also feel so much of, like, how it must be to be in those shoes when, like, your best friend is dating someone that you kind of can't stand, but, like, they love each other a lot, so you're yeah. okay with it. Oh, he believes, you could tell he hates Lewis. <laughs> like, their whole interactions, like, he, this whole time, he, like, you could tell he's just, like, I want this guy to shut, like, to, to fucking, like, like I feel like I feel like Belize like you can see in his facial expressions wishes not that he would ever say it but kind of wishes that it was Lewis in Pryor's position instead of Pryor because I oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's and that's like what's frustrating is that like out of all these people like Pryor is the one who's dying and it's yeah. like it could have been Lewis like they are yeah. in a relationship like it's honestly surprising that Lewis isn't sick too and like I'm, I don't know I think it is interesting that Lewis acknowledges that he could be sick too and well I mean nothing I mean he's I think because what can you do at that point though it's I think like he still could have gone and get tested. you could get tested but like 
at that point, like I said, they're only like they only just had now started with like those experimental drugs that like yeah. Roy Khan had. Like it wasn't, it was pretty much a death. Like you get diagnosed with it, you're, it's a death sentence at that point. But like, I so I think he was just kind of like of the minds because you know you clearly like I think he didn't care whether he lived or died at that point because you know there was that scene of him like begging to get infected in the fucking yeah. park and you know like. And I think, like, and he, you know, he, he's acknowledged that it's very likely that he could have it, too, because, like, you know, when Joe shows up and he's, like, not entirely sure if he wants to, they have that, like, moment where he's, like, your boyfriend's sick, and he's, like, then we'll spray each other with, like, <laughs> with, like, like, fucking chemicals, and it'll be, and we'll wrap it, and it'll be completely fine, just, like... <laughs> he's, like, anything that leaks, we'll wrap in latex. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, oh! <laughs> like, just not the sexiest way to put that yeah i, I mean not how, that there is a there way, isn't but yeah, you know a way to be like <laughs> don't worry it's chill yeah god it must have been so awkward to have sex in the 80s yeah it was i mean you had so many um there was a lot of like safe sex songs uh, there's that famous song um that one hit wonder song was like you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good time like that was you know, have you ever heard that song Oh. You don't have to take our clothes off. <laughs> You've never heard that song? No. It's kind of a fairly popular. Which is sad is that the singer of that song did actually die of AIDS, which is very sad. But, like, that song was written as kind of like a safe sex. Hmm. Or not a safe sex, or just like a anthem to basically be like, hey, we don't have to fuck because we could have, get AIDS. So let, we can do other fun things. <laughs> that was the climate. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's probably just a lot of dry humping. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like cruising would have been like terrifying because it's not like you can just like pick up a stranger. Yeah, and well, be like, so... I mean, because even now, like you get on grind because grinder is basically the equivalent of like cruising now. You just go on grinder. I mean, cruising itself has kind of been like the Silicon Valley sized in like straight couples too because that's like Tinder is basically kind of like that too. Mm -hmm. Like I mean you just <laughs> looking through people real fast like do nope, I have nope. <laughs> will yeah. I fuck this person? Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. But like Grinder, especially like there's like there's um in the bios you can put whether you're like on prep or not for, um, oh, for huh. HIV and like most people will post their status in their bio and stuff just you know, to avoid having to have that conversation. That's um, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's 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 a lot different now, especially like we had talked with. Actually, this is a brand new breaking, not breaking news because it's been out there for a few days, but like a brand new <laughs> update since we last recorded because we were talking about like the similarities between the COVID crisis and the AIDS crisis of the '80s is now, thanks to the, like, breakthroughs in the technology for the COVID vaccine, is that they're really, like, they're close to, like, doing trials for a HIV vaccine that, like, is supposed to be, they say, 97% effective, which is, like, huge. huge. But the only reason when that we even got that to that point is because of the COVID vaccines, and that's because... It, which is really makes me fucking furious actually that we were this close to already having an HIV vaccine but because like the money wasn't there in like investing in the research for the vaccine like 
it took a fucking pandemic to be able to actually get the fucking finance to be able to use the research for that. It's just like that could be, it just like pisses me off about like healthcare in this fucking country, you know, like it, it's like, it's infuriating. And you see like, hear like all about these like pharmacy companies that are like, you know, like we're actually, you know, the, there isn't a lot of money in curing diseases, you know, there's money in, in a symptom in helping symptoms out but the you know like there's not a lot of mm -hmm. long-term investments in like that so we're just gonna put money like, elsewhere fuck your money yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's it's just evil it's what it is it's fucking evil <laughs> i used to date and i'm still good friends with somebody who has cystic fibrosis and i remember asking you know like oh there's all these treatments for cf and it's like come such a long way since even he was a, a child because um when he was a kid they told his parents he would live maybe five years and then like when he turned five they were like fuck <laughs> oh, yeah, we gotta send him to school <laughs> you know and like it just kept progressing and and getting better and like you know now he's almost 30 and like it used the the life expectancy used to be 35 and like now he's gonna live much past that so i was like do you think that they're close to a cure for cystic fibrosis. And he was like, there's no money in that. They're just going to keep coming up with treatments that are going to cost way more than a cure ever would because that's how they're going to get money out of us. And, we you know, recently we were talking about health insurance premiums and work and, like, how small businesses handle health care among their employees. And he works for a smaller company. Um, and after he was put on their health insurance, everybody's premium went up because one of his medicines, one of his medicines costs $280,000 a year. Jesus Christ. And like people at his company thankfully are like all chill with that because he offered to not be on the company plan because he knew it would drive it up. But the flip side of that is that, you know, he used to be on state health insurance and even whenever he was just an intern, they would like call and cancel his insurance because he worked 40 hours a week and they were, he, they were like well you have a full-time job why do you need your state health insurance like why do you need free health insurance basically and he'd be like well i still don't make thirty thousand dollars a month which is what it costs to keep me alive you know so it's just like yeah it's all bullshit but american health care system <laughs> yay <laughs> yeah there's just like the way if, you know not to be all like big pharma or whatever like but oh no you yeah yeah we're gonna be sponsored by fucking pfizer t next week no <laughs> <laughs> like you i think it's okay <laughs> but yeah they, they they don't care about like anything other than the bottom line and it is a business and that's what makes it all fucking stupid but like yeah like the what's crazy is like a lot of the what made the covid vaccine possible is research that has been put in for the last 40 years for AIDS and like once it and like you know now people are like well it's it's a pandemic that affects everybody or whatever but like even at the beginning of the pandemic when we thought it was only old people people didn't give a shit and then it was like only people when... still don't give a shit and 500,000 people in America have passed away yeah and they're still like and you know people are acting like the pandemic's over now but it's so, somebody in my life uh, was saying like that they don't care about it anymore because they had it and it wasn't that big a deal and I'm like well just because it wasn't a big deal for you like doesn't yeah. mean that I won't kill somebody else 
And it's just so interesting how, like, fucking selfish people can be when it's not going to affect them. So the fact that this used, you know... And that's how people reacted to AIDS. Yeah. Because, like, before people realized that it wasn't, you know... <laughs> That it wasn't just exclusive to gay sex, you know, like, you know, it, the fact that, uh, oh, straight people can get it too because bisexuality exists, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's not, um, then they were like, oh shit, we should probably do something about this because now, now everybody can possibly get it if they have sex and it's like, fuck, you know, just, ah, hate it <laughs> it's stupid too and like um when we do the train spotting episode for patreon we can like talk about it more but like the fact that aids primarily affected uh queer people and uh people who abuse drugs it's like well then it was just written off by society because no one gave a fuck about those people even though that doesn't make you a bad person like neither of those things make you a bad person but also both of those factors make like the government treat you like you asked for it yep 100 percent. especially you deserved to to get it you know yeah yeah it's yeah we live in we live in a great world (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's fucked up i think like a lot of it is like religion in like in this country yeah well especially in the 80s you had that was the big not that late you know i feel like there's always been kind of an element of the church in american politics just because america is a very puritanical country but like in the 80s it really ramped up because reagan courted the evangelical vote hardcore and they like in, in his elections and they were like a big base of his so you had a lot of that like evangelical shit get like ramped up hardcore around that time and you saw it with reagan you saw it a hell of a lot with bush and you know trump tried to do it but you know it's fucking trump so he's (laughs) you know like i mean they didn't really work well for him because you know everybody in their grandma could see that he didn't actually give a shit but (laughs) but like i mean it's 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 all it's been an issue um but yeah i don't know i think um we texted about this but the reason the documentary that i watched about roy Cohn is called where's my roy Cohn?" is because like in the more recent years since roy Cohn passed away uh trump had a lawyer that that quit on him because you know, uh, Trump's life sucks, and, or, you know, his, like, his legal proceedings are often hairy and full of wrongdoing, and so he had a, a lawyer quit on him, and he, like, yelled out in the courtroom, where's my Roy Cohn? And, like, that really, like, pissed me off. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I don't like Roy Cohn, but I'm, like, you don't get to, like, ask for your friend anymore. Like, you abandoned him to die. Like, he, like, as soon as he found out that he had, that he had AIDS, he just stopped being anything to Roy Cohn and like I don't know it just made me really mad that it's like oh so like now that you need him like you're like calling out his name to the heavens or some shit (laughs) yeah Eva Thompson's about to burst into the courtroom (laughs) in the ceiling what do you you think about all of the angel stuff we haven't really talked about I thought yeah his prior explaining that in this (laughs) 
to Belize was very interesting. Like, she said, like, she had, like, six vaginas or something. Eight. Like, eight vaginas eight. or something. And Belize is, like, eight. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite part, though, was when she was, like, soliloquying and he was, like, uh, can we talk about <laughs> my penis? Or, like, can we talk about, like, my erection? And she's, like... We like you, you're, the stiffening of your penis has nothing to do with with what we're talking about. Because right every time he sees the angel, prior gets hard. Yeah. And like that's one of the best lines I think between him and Belize is like Belize is like, oh yeah, I remember you were always slow to rise. Like, he's like oh, I mean, this must be something, you know, if it's getting you hard. But like yeah, and then prior and the angel fuck. And yeah. It's like what is going on? I love. Prior in that whole scene is so funny. He's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. When he, um, I did think it was when he first called Belize at the hospital and he was like, he was, he was like, I had a wet dream. <laughs> Belize was like, okay, cool. He didn't even say who he was. He just called Belize at work and said, I had a wet dream. <laughs> and, and he was like, it was with a woman. And he was like, are you going straight on me now? <laughs> No, it was with an angel. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the angel's uh, gender is yeah, up I, like, in the air, you know. So. Yeah, he was. I I think Pryor said that, it, like, basically said it was gender. Like, it yeah, he said that there. He said it was a hermaphrodite, which right. is not a great term, but right. I was like, I forgot about that. Term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that. The, like, campiness of it, I I can't help but, like, think of, like, Devil's Advocate. Oh, like, my gosh. How well, everything is. And the it, statues, the way everything moves. It's so funny. Um, I was so caught off guard by the fucking, like, ghosts of his ancestors at the beginning of episode three. I was like, just like yep, those ghosts are certainly a thing. Because <laughs> it's so, like, they're, like, his, his like, they're, like, oh, <laughs> like, just, like, frolicking through his bedroom and shit. <laughs> I initially was like what the fuck is going on here because it's like his name is prior walter and that's like his family name and everybody's made jokes like oh that makes it sound like they were walters before you yeah and it's like yeah there were 37 or 36 yeah. if you're counting the bastards you know um and uh it's like michael gambon like plays one of them and i can't remember who the other one is played by but like I, I think I started to like it once the scene where prior like Lewis isn't really there. Yeah, that that scene that scene is. They sad. get to dance together. It's really cute, but it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing to that song from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yep. <laughs> and it's all sparkly lights, and like Pryor doesn't look all sick, and his mm -hmm. hair looks great, and the ghosts of his ancestors are talking, and they're like, oh. That's why he doesn't have kids, <laughs> and they're like realizing that he's that he's gay, and like the more recent ancestor who's from like the French Revolution or something is like yelling at the medieval ancestor, and he's like, "Oh my God, get with the times!" Basically, like, yeah. why are you fucking mad about this? Yeah. And then the other one just like disappears. Like I I thought that that was cute, and I think like that's again like we've talked about a few of these movies, and Pacino like loves to do like adaptations of stage plays but i think that that those characters probably play off so much better on stage oh yeah i'm sure like for one thing they probably they're not cgi <laughs> cgi did yeah i mean you're working i mean the cgi in this is 
I mean, it's not great, but it's, like, early. It's, like, it's very clearly, it's, like, it's dated itself because it's, like, very clearly early 2000 CGI. But, like, it's not, like, I think it fits because, like, a lot of it is very campy. And, like, I think it, I don't, I don't really have any issues with it. But fine. <laughs> I thought whenever that, the, like, tiles broke in the hospital and prior sees the, the Torah, like, break up through the thing, and yeah. it's giant, and, like, it's flaming, like, I thought that was, like, I thought it looked bad, but, like, also, like, it's, like, clearly a hallucination. To yeah, Peter, so that's, so. so that's why I was, like, not, um, it didn't really bother me that much, because it was, it wasn't trying to pass itself off as, like, real. Reality. Yeah, because, like, because everything is, like, you know, much like the not great CGI and devil's advocate it's still i still think it works for the tone of what it was going with like the unreality of the situation so i love um so like the the show does a good job of showing like not just how aids is affecting prior but like you know everybody in his friend group like you know like belize talks about how they have like 15 friends that have aids and like they have a friend that, like, just died. That, yeah, the funeral scene, which was, a like, one of the girls. I was like, that's how I, I want that. my funeral to be. Like, holy shit, that's an amazing funeral. It was, like, a New Orleans funeral yeah. or something. Yeah, and Pryor, Pryor's, Pryor was the only one who was pissed about it, which I understood where he was coming from, because he's like, yeah, I'm dying right now, so obviously, like, I don't, you know, like, I don't feel at the same joyous, like clapping for my friend because it feels very like to him it feels very like trying to put a band-aid on a bad situation but like i don't know he's he's also i don't i keep wanting to ask like because i know you've seen you you haven't seen the very last episode only episode five because i'm curious whether these hallucinations are actually supposed to be real or if they are just like the like like delirium from like from aids i don't know (laughs) Uh, I th- I think it's supposed to be like he's a prophet. Yeah, okay, because that's what I thought. Like maybe it is supposed to be real, but like, but I don't. But that's the the, the thing that it confuses me because I think I don't think Ethel Rosenberg with Roy Cohn is supposed to be real though. I think that's no. like a legit like hallucination for him. Yeah. I think like to me, I think he's the one that dialed. The f- I don't think her ghost literally picked up the phone and dialed. Right, because wouldn't the hospital be like? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, Sorry, the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg called for Roy Cohn. Like, they'd be like, uh, psyche valve, please. Yeah. Um, but I think that the way she appears kind of looks like the ghosts in Pryor's mm-hmm. uh, hallucinations. So, like, I, I think, like, you're you're right there that, like, yeah. it's not supposed to be. But, in, but the yeah, and the Pryor thing, the fact that he had, like, a shared dream with Harper probably gives it more credence that maybe it is actually happening <laughs> right because i think and and i don't know because i haven't seen it all but i think like because of the way harper is and like how accepting and open she is i wonder if the angels maybe start talking to her too yeah i don't know um but anyway the reason i brought up the funeral scene is i just love how much uh prior looks like the grim reaper in those scenes like he yeah. wears like this hood over yeah him no it's great like, it's very he's dressed very um very ceremoniously uh, morbid. <laughs> Everybody else is like, you know, at the funerals, like drag queens. They hire Sicilian mourners. Yeah, I thought that was like, funny. That <laughs> yeah, was so good, and like, uh, yeah, again, like you were saying, it was like they were trying to approach it more of like a celebration of life, and like all prayer can think about is like 
how I'm pretty sure that friend died of toxoplasmosis, which is mm-hmm. um, something a character dies of in train spotting as well. It's just like the like it's like crazy how when you're immunosuppressed like the like the smallest thing kills you and like that's what I think Pryor also can't get around like yeah. the fact that like it could be any little thing yeah it doesn't like it's like literally you're oh open to dying of anything at that point like like just you get a little tiny cut you're like a cut on your hand gets infected and that kills you like that's how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love all the fuckness. Like, it doesn't annoy me. Like, I think that in some... I, I've watched so much religious shit growing up, like, and I know, like, when people are trying to force symbolism. Yeah. And I feel like what's interesting about, like, these, like, sort of queer-coded movies that we've watched... Well, I, uh, Devil's Advocate, I guess it's not really queer-coded because they made... Uh, the the bisexual scene seemed like that was like the like epitome of evil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Pacino's just so gay in it. But, like, <laughs> it's like hard not to think about it. As it's a just it's movie. a very campy movie. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I've grown to appreciate that film. But it seems like gay people know how to write about biblical stuff better than anybody and i don't know yeah no 100 100 because like i mean a lot of the a lot of fr- people i'm friends with on twitter who are trans or gay or some combination of both that are also religious i feel like they're the only people that i trust <laughs> to talk about that stuff with because i feel like they're the only people that like have a like perspective on it that doesn't seem rooted in trying to oppress which is what a lot of which is what the like the church that i grew up in kind of that's where they were that's everything is rooted in that like we are we are it's just us versus everyone else oh yeah i mean like my the church i grew up in acts like hating gay people is like a main tenant yeah no 100 percent. like it's like the main like if all you ever knew about christianity you like if you went to my church you would think it's just about hating gay people, abortions are Satan, and um, we should always have a Republican president. <laughs> it's all very political. Yeah it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's what I mean by, like, the evangelical church mm-hmm. intertwining itself with, like, politics in the 80s, basically. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. I just think it's funny how, like, Roy Cohn, like, I don't know, I don't know if he will find resolution you know, I don't think be, the real Roy Cohn definitely didn't. <laughs> he, he just died. Roy Cohn up until the very end, like screaming at Ethel Rosenberg. <laughs> which, Jesus Christ. We have been talking about him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Garbage. And we've been talking about garbage. <laughs> All of those scenes between him and Belize in the hospital were my favorite even though they are so tense and so full of slurs Mm -hmm. there's like six slurs so i don't know i'm just like be careful if you're gonna watch it too (laughs) there's like a lot to offend kind of anybody in those scenes like it it kind of like crosses every uh every ethnicity and sexual orientation (laughs) yeah um but it's, and we like alluded to it, but I don't know if we ever just said it. Belize is like, had given him the advice to get on AZT and not let them give him placebos and all of that. He like basically gives him all this insider info as a nurse. And Roy's like, well, why, why the fuck would I trust you? And like, Belize is really just doing it. Like he doesn't even really know why. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't even know. 
But then later, when he realizes that Roy, like, did what he said and got this whole fucking fridge full of AZT, like, more than he would even yeah, he, take. Yeah, he, he basically says that, you know, like, this is enough to, like, cover, like, 30 of my friends. Like, you're go- never going to be able to take all of this. And Roy's like, fuck, I'm not gonna give you a single fucking pill. <laughs> um, and that's what we were saying, like, it was only after Belize claps back and also calls him something terrible that he's like, well, now you can have some. It's like he, like, almost respects more, like, hatred and ugliness than he does that Belize even fucking, like, yeah. tells him to do this. Like, I think he view, I think he views kindness, he, Roy Cohn views kindness as a weakness, as something to take advantage of, and the only thing he really truly respects is, like, yeah, like, acts of aggression. <laughs> and then when Belize takes three bottles, I feel like he even respects that more. Yeah. Like, that he's like, oh, like, and, like, the glint in his eye and how he gets almost flirtatious with Belize as they get more rude to each other it's like what the fuck is going on here like and it's like obviously not flirtatious at all for Belize he fucking hates him but it's like it feels like Roy almost like begins to like him more the more they have contention it's it's so yeah it's it's just I think I think Roy only Roy Cohn or at least the Roy Cohn in, in Angels in America only respects people that push back on him and very few people ever push back on him so. And maybe just, like, since he's not practicing law and he's sick and everything, like, getting to argue. He's That's like, thank no. God. Yeah, it's like, this is <laughs> this is entertainment. Like, because, you know, he begs Belize to stay. Like, when, like, the first interaction, he's, like, begging Belize to stay into the room and talk with him. Even though he has done nothing but fucking be an asshole to him the whole time he's been in the room. He's like, stay in here, I need someone to talk to. He's <laughs> like, what the fuck would I want to talk to you? <laughs> Yeah, I love that the leader, like, Belize hears him screaming at Ethel Rosenberg, and he's just kind of like, hmm, <laughs> does nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not going to get up and check. He's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we will be talking about the final two episodes, five and six. Before we go, give the Patreon shout-out to our $5 Pacino pal, Matt Lubistansky. Uh Thank you for being a pal, a Pacino pal. If thank you. you. If, you, if you'd like to be a Pacino pal, you can find our Patreon, our P- search Pacino Pod. It's also on our Twitter page, the link is. And our Twitter is Pacino underscore pod. You can also find me on Twitter at Static Blue Bat and... Viral Static Blue Bat. Uh, yeah, I had a viral tweet this week, which, got, got, which pushed our podcast over 300 followers, so... It was worth it. (laughs) If you follow us on Twitter, thank you for putting up with all the pictures of Pacino that we tweet, like, daily. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun if you like Pacino. (laughs) Which, if you don't, what the fuck are you you doing here? Yeah, I mean, it's okay to hate listen. I mean, we still get, it still counts for our analytics. No, I think actually a good portion of our listeners are like, why are you guys doing this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like we just like you guys like i i feel like uh, a few of my friends like listen just because they like us yeah I, um not even i've had movie. i've had people that i've talked to be like i haven't listened yet because i haven't seen the movies you're talking about i'm like fuck yes. here just fucking listen like 
are you really gonna go fucking watch, you know, people I know? Just fucking listen to the episode. That's all you need to, like... How are you gonna watch people I know? <laughs> we could, like, we... It took us a very long time to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had friends say that, too. They're like, oh, I need to watch the entire Godfather trilogy before I listen to you talk about it. And I'm like, why would you do that to like, yourself? No, you don't. Like, we don't even talk about the entire movie. Like, you can listen to our podcast and still, like... Because I know we talked, we talked it out, like, especially our first one when we jammed three movies into one. Like, there's no way we covered, like, all there is to cover about The Godfather. So, yeah. we mostly talked about Mama Corleone um, and ass-eating, so. <laughs> At least I don't go quite off the rails that hard anymore. Oh, you know. That was a different, a younger Callie. That's the younger Callie, but I feel like some of these movies coming up, we might. <laughs> I feel like the, the worst the movie is, the more off the, like, G, the Gili episode. <laughs> Lizadora Gili episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, like, the Jack and Jill episode, I'll just be like, I'll go back to ass-eating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, Adam Sandler will talk about ass-eating himself in the movie, probably at some oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, keep it locked.